Alrighty, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Rebel Starbuck with you once again this week on Shooting the Shiz At, and uh, we are recording this uh, from a distance, so to speak. Right now, I'm in um, I'm in Kusama, Finland, which is right near the border of Lapland on tour with my band, Crossfire, and uh, we got, we got some gigs up here. And Dylan, I guess you're in uh, I guess you're in Helsinki. Yeah, the old southern capital here, and uh, hanging out and. Having a good time, but uh, you're rocking out up there. That must be a must be a blast, as always. Well, yeah. I mean, we had like what 400 people last night uh, up up at a place called Zone in uh, oh, great in Ruka, which is a ski resort here, right on the border of Lapland, uh, up near Kusamo. And uh, yeah, it's a really nice place. I mean, it's I guess. I thought they had their skiing season because, you know, there's different seasons. There's, of course, like, you know, the Christmas season. Then there's, you know, uh, when school break is always spring break and whatnot, winter break and blah, blah. Anyway, but I thought they they had a session going now, like a season session. And, and I was wrong, but there were tons of people. So it's all good. All right. Yeah, that's great. Good luck there, too. And uh, you have an, another show tomorrow night and, a, and something on the weekend as well? No, no, just tomorrow night we got Buha which is another ski resort up here. So, Oh, great. Yeah, we, you know, we played there last year, and uh, now we're going back. So it's, it's all good. Yeah, I mean, we we're, it's, it's always fun to come up to Lapland or yeah. like just the uh, northern area of Finland because here you have less, I guess, like, in a way, there's less uh, entertainment that comes through this area. And right. uh, when, you do, when you do have something happen, and you generally tend to have people show up, which, uh, which I think is a good thing. Yeah, definitely. Doing the ski resort circuit well. The, and it. so this is the uh, the week, I guess, um, following the big, big WrestleMania weekend. Um, I guess we talked about it last show that basically everybody and their grandmothers had a promotion running a running a wrestling show during last week and the weekend. And uh, I think we're going to do this in two parts, actually. And there was pretty much too much wrestling, if it's possible, to get your get your greedy little eyes over. But um, the I guess the three biggest shows was, uh, of course, WrestleMania being the, the biggest of them all. And mm-hmm. uh, G1, the G1 Supercard put on uh, with Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then... WWE's NXT TakeOver New York. So that was, I guess that's what we'll talk about today because those are the, the big daddies, so to speak. Yeah, we also had the Hall of Fame. Of course, we can even touch on that. But uh, Of course, yeah. Controversial. Yeah, yeah we, we had quite a, bit of a, quite a bit of a wrestling weekend. And uh, this, of course, is the time that every wrestling company, uh, at least in North America, even here in Europe, I mean, I was wrestling out in Copenhagen on the 6th. That's so, right. I mean, yeah, you know, it, you know, it's everybody's trying to like uh, cash in on that WrestleMania hype, the hype and the boom and whatnot. Which is, I guess, in a way, if it's ambitious and it's smart business in the sense that if you can draw in your, if you you can draw like let's say in your specific um, area, whatever that may be. But I, I think that if you got tons of companies all running in the same vicinity as where WrestleMania is being held, that's kind yeah. of the thing where. You're treading water, and you're not sure if that's 
if that's the smartest thing to do. Of course, I mean, you've got fans coming from all different parts of the world for WrestleMania, for that specific sector of the country. So I can understand why companies would want to run and they'd want to present their best hand at that point, try to draw new people in. But, um, of course, oversaturation is uh, oversaturation. It is a thing. It's been the, uh, I guess the bane of uh, quite a few industries as it, as it has been uh, like with comic books and uh, you know, certain types of movie genres and things like that. But um, yeah. well, at least we're, I mean, this was a, well, we talked about impact and that, that show um, I'll give a brief, just one, one word on it where that there was really good wrestling in the show, but the production was absolutely horrible. And uh, I mean, the lighting was so bad that it seemed just like the lowest of the indies, you know, kind of situation. And that's what I think Impact used to have, like, like weirdly good production from before. Kind of they, they lacked on the wrestling side for a while and had weirdly good pr- production. And they kind of went the other way at this uh, situation. But nonetheless, they uh, had had a good show wrestling wise. But um, then, let's. I, I don't know what you want to talk about first, but uh, I don't know if you want to hit the G1 or the or, re- or the big WrestleMania or NXT. I guess we could run, just run down the NXT first because, um, yeah. with of course uh, WrestleMania being the big show, they they have this weekend full of. First on a Friday, you'll have the the uh, the NXT show. Then on Saturday, you'll have the 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 Hall of Fame. And then on Sunday, you'll have WrestleMania. So that's yeah. your WWE, pretty much your staple for, for WrestleMania weekend. So if we just start from the uh, takeover show, takeover. I, I think yeah. it, was, it was pretty solid. I mean, mm. I didn't, to this to this moment, I haven't seen the entire match of the War Raiders against, um, against uh, Aleister Black and Ricochet. I heard it was right. really good, but yeah, um, yeah I've, yet to, I've yet to actually see that. Uh, just I haven't had the time. I've just been so damn busy, but uh, I'll get around to it. But I, I heard yeah, it was really good. Did you, did you catch yeah. that? Yeah, that that was quite a good match, actually. Um, but uh, I think that the writing was on the wall, just how things are going. They got mm-hmm. actually a lot of time. They had to, The match ended in 21 minutes, 10 seconds. So that was... Uh, th- this is the thing. My, I think I've said it a few times, that these NXT takeover shows are so tight... They're, they're so well booked in that way that the crowd is never exhausted where you have, uh, what is it, one, two, three, four, basically five uh, pay-per-view matches. There was three matches filmed for NXT, but um, you had these five main, main matches, and uh, I think they were all championship matches. So right. it's super tight, and, you know, everybody... Everybody got a good amount of time to to tell their story, and that's 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 what NXT. I don't know why why is nobody else kind of following onto that, you know? Instead, they're having these super duper long shows that are just kind of you know there's too much in there. And uh, if you have a, an, the best match ever in the world, people are so tired that they they can't take it in. You know? Yeah, so well, I mean, the thing is that uh, you you have to have things you know su- things of substance to catch people's imagination, and uh, obviously, if you, if your product is booked well enough, you're going to have uh, relevant storylines people are going to follow, and they're yeah. going to care. They're, they're going to be immersed in the storyline to the effect that it's going to uh, generate heat 
and uh, and a crowd response. And that's what you're looking for in pro wrestling. You're looking for the, the most impassionate crowd response possible. True. Uh, that said, uh, yeah, so I guess uh, aside from the, the opening match, I mean, you can comment on that a bit, I guess, if, if you watched it. But uh, outside of just being good, how did you feel? I think this is almost like a swan song for uh, Ricochet and uh, Aleister Black and NXT. I think they're moving up full time to the uh, main roster, do you think? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's that's 100%, especially what we saw then, you know, the next day, uh, the, well, not the next night, but on the Sunday, Sunday where they uh, were in that big tag match as well. And, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I like War Raiders or War Machine, as they used to be called, and um, I think that they're like a really good, like, crazy big man tag team and and I do believe that these guys work together really, really well. So there's the chemistry there is was off the charts. And oddly enough, like Alistair Black and Ricochet, although I never understood the pairing, somehow they make a good tag team. And uh, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a it was a good match, and I think it, it wasn't the best match on the card. It wasn't the best tag team match I've ever seen, but. It was like a really, really solid opening match, that's for sure. But um, but the War Raiders end up taking it, keeping their belts, and uh, then we go on to Velveteen Dream and Matt Riddle. What did, did you get? Catch that one? Yeah, I caught most of it, not all of it, but I caught most of it. Um, I guess you know the thing is that. Uh, this, you know, there's a time and a place. Nobody's undefeated and unbeatable forever. So, you know, somebody's got to go down at some point. Yeah. Uh, on the last takeover, it was Shayna Baszler taking win over um, the EST of NXT, you know? Yeah, exactly. So we're, we're talking about uh, Bianca Belair and uh, the fact that, you know, her undefeated streak had to end. And uh, now, you know, just jump it forward a bit. I mean, like on this takeover, it was uh, Shayna tapping making uh bianca tap out so i mean now right. she is she can't she can't say she's undefeated no more for sure but uh anyway the thing is that uh with with uh, velveteen and with matt riddle i thought it was good i mean i really i i think the velveteen is, is finally coming into his own i think he's finally maturing to the point where he can carry matches yeah that's true so I think that is, that was really uh, that was really apparent in this match that he's he's really maturing. Yeah, yeah, and the thing is that he's. Uh, let's say I mean the thing with Matt Riddle, I, I think that uh, there there was a few little bumps in the road uh, with their match, nothing major. I, I thought it was overall pretty damn well done. Um, Velveteen channeling Hulk Hogan. Right. You know, <laughs> uh, first of all, question. Is it necessary? You know, number mm-hmm. two, um, did it add anything to the match? Yeah, I think this is kind of one of those spots that uh, that some people totally love and then other people, like, can't stand to see it. Because I've seen, you know, a lot of people have, have done this idea of, you know, channeling all these um, old, old-time greats or something, you know, and... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it works for some people, but uh, it was a little bit lame, in my opinion, that whole situation. I thought the pin was well done, though. I thought that, you know, with, with Riddle, that he's got his finishing move, move the, uh, I forget I, I forget what it's called, but uh, 
where he pretty much locks uh, a half body vice on the guy and then uh, stretches them out, almost like the abdominal yeah. stretch on the ground. Um, and countering that into the pinfall, I thought was well done. Yeah, and and it, and it gives Velveteen some some uh, momentum going forward. Of course, uh, maybe a rematch for these two down the line um, because it was a good match. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, now there is an issue because Matt Riddle is no longer undefeated. So perhaps, perhaps it's going to develop into a full, full-fledged uh, program between these two. Who knows? But uh, nonetheless, moving on, Walter finally defeating Pete Dunne for the NXT UK Championship. This one here, uh, you know, there's a, there's people that are saying that they weren't so high on the match because it was plotting and it was slow and and you know they're they're i think that people are so programmed nowadays to expect that every match is supposed to be a johnny gargano match yeah right that's just not the case i mean everybody should bring something unique and something inherently their own to the table uh both look wise and stylistically and i think that walter has something very unique to offer in this day and age um he really has that intimidating big man kind of thing happening He's almost like Terry Gordy, Freebird Terry Gordy in modern. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. And uh, his match with Pete Dunne, I'll tell you, that was tight. It was tight. It was it was it was dramatic. Um, it was crisp. It was do like the old Dynamite Kid philosophy: do one move at a time, do it as well as you can. That's really what this mm-hmm. match was all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like the finish of it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was resounding. I mean, if if that's if you're going to put somebody down, it's it's hard to get any bigger as far as like laying somebody out and having a concrete pinfall than that. So I thought it was good. I really did. Um, hard hitting and really a really believable match. Um, yeah, very very Walter style, I guess, and and Pete Dunn as well. Very, they those guys are as as to quote you the or whomever was the original. Maybe it was you the the make believe business quote. I think these guys are you know, showing that, that in, in good colors these days. Right. Yeah. And the thing is that, uh, the minimalistic approach to pro wrestling. So the thing is that instead of doing a million moves, you do only do a few. And, and if you really count the actual moves, like right. specific wrestling maneuvers that these guys did in the match, uh, it, it wasn't so many. And, and the yeah. thing is that you don't need to, because then people don't retain, what they see over like a 20, 25 minute match. You need to give people, uh, you need to strip down your offering to the point where that you can, you know, like nail, let's say five, six, you know, bigger moves within the match and have people talk about those moves. Yeah, exactly. That's what these two, I think did with this one. I think, especially with a finish, uh, that power bomb off the top rope, Followed by yeah. the big splash off the top. You know, it's like you're going to remember that as a finish because of that. You know, besides ending Pete Dunn's uh, monumental title reign here, I mean, I guess he's like the longest over, reigning champion. Seven, yeah, over 700 days or something like that. Just unbelievable. Yeah, it's like almost two or, years. Or so, something like that. I can't remember. 300 and I can't. <laughs> I guess I'll have yeah, to look but, that one up. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he was, he was champion for like almost two years. And the mm-hmm. thing is that, uh, you know, for, for them to have a champion reign for that long, I mean, we're talking about the longest reigning champion since Hulk Hogan. That's true, yeah. Right? So, 
the longest reigning champ since the 80s, and that's saying quite a bit. Um, well, anyway, the thing is that I, I think that Pete Dunn didn't have any more challengers. You know, I think that he went through True, them all, yeah. and, and it, yeah, yeah. it was time. It was time to pull the plug, and, and they did. And the funny thing is that Walter, I heard, was able to negotiate his contract. He told WWE that, that he refused to leave Europe. He's not going to America. I mean, for, for WrestleMania, oh, really? okay, yeah, yeah, he went there, but that he is staying in Europe. He does not want to go to the U.S. So, well, this is the NXT UK Championship. UK is in Europe. Um, so I guess they're taking a chance with Walter. I mean, he's he's hmm. a, a homegrown European talent. So that's true. Let's see how let's see how it carries over. Let's see what happens in the uh, list of challengers that come up now. I'm sure that Pete Dunn down the road is going to have a, have another crack at that title, but I, the, the time is not now. Uh, they can do the rematch. I'm sure that the Pete Dunn is not going to re, you know regain the championship. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Really, I don't see anybody in line right now who's ready, who's built to the point where that they're a credible challenger now for Pete Dunn at this point. So I think that Walter is going to retain for quite a while. Yeah, I, I agree for I agree with you. And maybe what they're gonna do, I mean, I just looked it up that Pete Dunn was it's over six hundred and eighty five days, so somewhere in around that that number. It's pretty massively huge and um I mean it's possibly that, you know, they they beat him down for a while and then it would be cool to see him kind of like, you know, while Walter's getting up to that that same kind of accolade that he would come come and try to disrupt it or something like that. I don't know, but there's mil millions of stories you could do there. But then we yeah. went on to the, um, the big women's match of the card. This uh, Shayna Baszler, uh, Io Shirai, Bianca Belair, and Kyrie Sane. Yeah, I mean, I thought this was good. I really did. Um, yeah. I was a little bit apprehensive with Belair because the thing is that I was not impressed with that singles match with Shayna Baszler and Bianca Belair from that last NXT pay-per-view, the last takeover. Uh, but here, they early on, they were going for like similar transitions and, and uh, exchanges that they had in their singles match. And I was like, I was, I was almost cringing. I was always, I was gritting my teeth already, you know. And then oh, they yeah. turned up the heat. And I think that they got other girls in there doing their their thing and and doing their spots. And I thought that uh, you know it picked up, business picked up to a considerable degree. I thought the the Japanese girls against each other was well done, well teased. It, it, they didn't give away too much, you know, just a couple of uh, competitive friends that had to go up against each other be because of the nature of the match. And then, uh, you know, you, you had to be competitive, and they did. They were. Yeah. So I, Turned I thought it, it was in high well gear, told. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, it was well told. Um, I, I really had a strong feeling that, that Io Shirai could have come out on top with this one because I think that she's ready. I really think she's right. fresh she's ready and she's i think that to a degree she's better than Kyrie sane i think she's a bit bigger of course i also think that she's she's a bit better in in, in her overall uh presentation uh but yeah, anyway um bianca i still think she's she she's not quite there yet she's close but she's still chomping at the bit um mm. give her some time Shayna baszler also you know as well as she's been portrayed She's not there yet either. She she's close, right, right. but she's mm. not there yet. Um, but all the power to her because the thing is, she's been a really intimidating, well portrayed. I mean, I think the way that that they cast her, 
is tremendous. Yeah, right on. So in this, yeah. in this way, uh, what did you think of the match? Yeah, I thought it was is really actually quite solid. I mean, um, this is. It, I was just so disappointed with the uh, Ring of Honor uh, women's women's title match that uh, this, to me, this blew it out of the water, and this seems to be like at least in NXT and and as well in, in WWE as a as a whole company they they are really pushing women's wrestling and it's pretty obvious when you watch uh, these women go at it because i mean Io Shirai and uh, Kyrie saying they're just some of the some of the best in the world and you know it was really really cool to see see this kind of match and i think that they played it off really really well and um definitely really well placed on the card as well so um, yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Well, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, moving on then to the uh, to the main event on this NXT takeover it was Johnny Gargano defeating Adam Cole. Two out of three falls for the NXT Championship vacated by Tommaso Ciampa because of his yeah. neck surgery. And um, the funny thing is, I mean, after the match, they're showing you know uh, Gargano and and uh, Ciampa all buddy buddy after. Just, I mean, just weeks ago before uh, before Ciampa got diagnosed with that neck situation, you know, he had just turned again on Gargano. And and the thing That's is, right. now they're all buddy-buddy after the fact that he couldn't wrestle no more. So I, I thought that there was like a, a lack, a complete lapse in logic uh, with that as far as the WWE story storytelling uh, machine goes but anyway yeah. uh, as far as the match goes i thought this was a really good match it was uh i think a bit some of the some of the the chain wrestling that they worked into spots out of was a bit too convoluted i think it was uh i think you could see things coming out you know a mile away because just them getting in a position or whatnot i, right. I thought that there's there's something to be said for improvisation um yeah i think you're right yeah, there, there really is. There is something to be said for just relying on knowing how to, how to uh, grapple in your craft. And I, I think one of the best examples of this was uh, this event, Smash Twenty Five, from Tokyo. It was February of two thousand and twelve. It was Dave Fit Finlay as the Smash Champion. He had defeated me for the title um, in November of two thousand eleven, and uh, he went up against Tajiri in the main event of Smash 25. And uh, we were stationed, you know, the, the top baby faces were, were stationed at ringside as Tajiri's, like, cheering corner, so to speak. Yeah. Supporters and whatnot. And I, I remember watching this match, like, directly from the ring apron and just being breathtaking, uh, you know, just, just in awe of the actual wrestling prowess the catches catch can aptitude of both men, but especially the fact that Finlay, being the ring general that he is, completely domineered and completely, um, basically, I mean, just more, for lack of a better term, was eating Tajiri alive. But Tajiri having a fight for his life in the wrestling, the pure wrestling exchange of catches catch can until they picked up the pace and started going for like the spots and the kicks. Um, yeah, right. And, and that's, like, if I compare that match, which I think to this day is at least live, the best pure wrestling match I ever saw in my life. Wow, yeah. There you go. Yeah. That's saying hell of a lot. It is, it is, that's yeah. That's for sure. And and if I compare well, it now to this one here, 
like to this to this match. This one I didn't see live, of course, unless you consider watching it in real time being live. But otherwise, didn't see the NXT match live because uh, I wasn't there in person. But the the thing is, my point is that because this match was there was more collusion to even the mm. chain wrestling here, and it was so obvious in the way that they went into the different sequences and, and spots that it took away the collusion took away from the overall impact of how tight and how credible the chain wrestling could have been had they not uh you know agreed on on the layout yeah exactly i think that that also the like a lot of the times that kind of um pre like a little bit too pre-planned seeming matches tend to take me a little bit out of it and um i'm i'm much more interested in these like slow burn matches that that really seem in that way trying to trying to make you believe what's going on and and you do like if you really allow yourself you do kind of sink in there like you know like you did when you were a kid and uh, yeah. you know and that that's that always is is my my favorite stuff to watch and um this this was like wow these guys are really great athletes they're you know really gr- smooth and good at doing all these moves and uh you know and and then the, but the actual like feel that there was a fight going on i didn't i don't really think i felt it but in terms of like a um uh, in like athletic um Endeavor. wrestling match you know yeah that it was it was good. I mean, these two guys are are really amazing. You know, I don't think anybody can say much less than that about them. I mean, Johnny Gargano has proven himself time and time again, and I've always thought that he's a little bit, um, uh, how would I say it, that there's not much weight behind some of his punches, at least. At least what I would want to see out of some guy who's got a five-star wrestling match under his belt, you know, that mm-hmm. I, would, I would want somebody who... You know, of course, these are subjective ratings, but you know that if you would be given such a such a praise, that you would be a little bit more, um, well, a little bit more real, you know. But um, mm-hmm. but then again, I, I'm not discrediting uh, Gargano and Adam Cole for sure. I mean, these Adam Cole is like super charisma man for for his size and and position. So, mm-hmm. um, but I think it was. I guess it finished the way that everybody figured it would, uh, and it was. It they have pretty much tossed away this idea of the Tommaso Ciampa Johnny Gargano being mad at each other, you know. So that was a that was obviously weird. But then again, you know, what can you do? All in all, I think um, as a show, NXT that that event was was solid, and it was again like two and a half hours. You know, really good, tight wrestling smashed in your face, and that—that's the kind of uh, wrestling event that I think is amazing to see live and watch. You know, and also watch on TV. So, yeah, I mean, I was I was quite satisfied then with that show. Yeah, and I also I think that like just you know I don't want to, I really don't want to disparage this match because I thought that overall for two out of three falls it was well well orchestrated um with you know aside from the the things that we just mentioned that could have been uh, improved upon but um the the fact that the super kicks i thought it was overkill to way too many super kicks i think the, the super kick is, is really suffered inflation in our modern day and age of wrestling i think that it's just another move now 
I just like the clothesline, just like the DDT. It's it's really sad that these used to be like finishing maneuvers back in the day, and now they're just they're just there to fill time. That's really mm-hmm. it's, it's really bad. Yeah, yeah. I think well, Adam Adam yeah. Cole with the super kicks. Yeah, he's like he is guilty of that. But you know, then again, it's like he gets these pops. So seems it's that American wrestling crowd. They you know mm-hmm. they just want to see something over and over and over again. I guess or. No, but uh, yeah, I guess um, maybe next we'll go to the G1 uh, Supercard, but how about we hear from some sponsors before we get there? Estrada Creative Helsinki, your brand and story with the strength of modern marketing. Social media gets your brand and message in your audience's hands, and your story with the boost of marketing and videography is your strongest means of persuasion. That's where... Estrada Creative Helsinki gets involved. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash Estrada Creative Helsinki. Marco Simonen offers photography and video production for business and marketing. In addition, editorial and portrait work welcome. For more, see marcosimonen.com. That's M-A-R-K-O-S-I-M-O-N-E-N.com. All right. We are back. We got Starbuck all the way up in Lapland, hanging out with rock stars uh, like himself. And I am stuck down here in the beautiful, not as warm as it should be, Helsinki. And we're talking right now about the G1 Supercard put on by Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling at the Mecca, the legendary Madison Square Garden in New York City. And I guess, so, yeah. you, know, you know, that said, that said, by the way, I guess AAA is now going up there too. That's true. Yeah. It's opened the door now, you know, and yeah. I, I actually have a suspicion that uh, New Japan by themselves will run a show there in the near future. Oh, yeah. 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 I think, you know, it's, it's really interesting the fact that I was listening to, before we get into this, I was listening to the podcast uh, recently held by was Jim Ross, and who was he talking to? He was no, it was I no, it was Jim Cornette, and uh, yeah, Jim Cornette and, and Chris Jericho. I'm right. talking Jericho, and, and it was a, a hell of a good episode because uh, Jim Cornette is going through like he's basically talking about the state of the wrestling business like as it stands right now, and he and he said that more or less like WWE has become so much like so vanilla and it's become so predictable. It's become so corporate. He's, it's become so, so like it's, it's lost all its edge in the sense that it's because of the PG thing. Right. That, that now, uh, they're, they're predictable. Right. And, and I think that, that because of that, because of them becoming vanilla, uh, they have lost, the intrigue of the casual or the hardcore even wrestling audience and, and and the the wrestling audience that really cares about pro wrestling and and that likes their wrestling to be traditionally what it has been which is professional wrestling not sports entertainment um i think that those people now are open more so than ever before uh to the alternative and whatever that may be and, and that could be aew that could be impact 
that could be Ring of Honor, that could be New Japan, AAA, whatever. But they're open to different forms of what they're not seeing on the WWE product, which is like, for example, I'm not a fan of Joey Ryan. I really am not. I, I with this, right. you know, the, the Dick gimmick and and with even the show that you went to see, the All In show in Chicago, where you know the yeah. the, the standing condoms, this huge like towering condoms <laughs> came out with him and stuff yeah, like. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get on any major network, you know, like that's, that's already so tasteless that, that it's, right. it's going to shun. Yeah. It's going to shun people. Right. So, uh, but it's, it's an alternative to what WWE has, which is you definitely won't be seeing that on WWE. So that's right. You can, so you can have these really hard hitting blood sport types of matches that we also just had this past weekend. Uh, and you can have Joey Ryan and you can have, all these different types of Lucha Underground and whatnot, uh, which are the alternative to WWE, and, and people are buying into it. They're 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 hungry for professional wrestling outside of WWE, and, That's and right. now and now because of that, uh, like unless Vince steers away from the vanilla, uh, he runs the risk of I don't know how his how his business. I guess otherwise they're doing great numbers. I guess they're like really you know, pulling in the raking in the cash. They just did a TV deal for like 2 billion, you know? So it's not yeah, like, you know, true. he's not strapped for cash, but there are people that are, they're leaving. Like the viewership is dropping on Monday night raw, you know, and even yeah, on SmackDown, yeah. you know, the, the numbers are dropping and I'm not sure that that's really what you want to be showing your investors on wall street. True. Yeah. It seems like they don't actually care so much about um, live attendance or even ratings at this point. Yeah. I don't. I really don't understand why. But then again, you know they are. They. I, I, you must have remembered the whole, you know, speech where the McMahon's and Triple H came out and did their whole. We're going to change things, and you want to yeah, change, yeah. and we're going to give you a change. And um, as far as I've, <laughs> like you know, I guess, um, experience, there hasn't been really any change. So, you know, yeah, they like did what, some, what, what did that ever, what, what did that bring about? Nothing. Yeah. Some like random yeah. NXT call-ups that didn't really, you know, do what they were like any kind of like, uh, impact with anything. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's it. But, That's it. Uh, yeah. but yeah. yeah, to go with this alternative anyway, this G1 Supercard with Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. I'll tell you right off the bat, the crowd in the building, they wanted only, it was really apparent right from the beginning, they were only there to see New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this became the theme of the entire night. A lot of YouTubers and podcast guys have already talked about this, I guess. And and, uh, I mean, I watched it live and I could, I could feel it, you know, in this right in the thirty, the thirty-man honor rumble with uh, yeah. this uh, over-the-top rules, and uh, this basically, you know, they had Minoru Suzuki in there. They popped crazy for him. I- Ishii, they popped crazy for him. Any New Japan guy, except I think this Yoshihashi, which I think is kind of more of a joke, but in terms yeah. of not cheering the guy. But anyway, every guy from New Japan came out. They loved him. Every guy from Ring of Honor who came out, almost dead silence. It ended yeah. up, and then okay, well, the you know everybody knew that Jushin Thunder Liger was going to be 
in the match. And that it was his farewell tour or starting of his farewell tour. And um, when he came out, it was like standing ovation, basically. You know, people were just like, you know, thank you, Liger, all the chance. He came to the ring, you know, did his thing. And he ended up being what looked like like, uh, last two. And he was there paired with none other than the great Muda uh, with the whole actually really amazing mask and uh, outfit. Like the ring entrance gear was crazy. People like lost their minds when the great Muda came out. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, you know, he, his knees are completely done and I don't know how many surgeries or whatever has happened down there, but he's, you know, like that was very much nostalgia, but it ended up being the great Muda and Jushin Liger in that match. And people in that like stadium, you could like watching it on TV, you could feel the electricity happening there. And then, you know, that they were going to square, square off against each other. was like just unbelievable. And then, you had uh, Kenny King, who had been hiding under the ring or had got knocked out underneath the ropes at some point that nobody noticed. He flew in and tossed them both out and won the match, which people were not happy. Like That got the reaction that, you know, if you ever wanted to piss off a crowd to near riot, that's, uh-huh. that's how you do it. But then again, the winner of the match gets some Ring of Honor title shot. So I guess Jushin Liger or the Great Muda are not really in that running, so makes that kind of uh, sense in that way. But it was like a basic um, nostalgia poppy uh, honor or a rumble match that uh, I think was probably much better live because you just wanted to see who came out next. So, but yeah, I mean, I think people were, it was really, really apparent from that, that match that people did not care about ring of honor on this night. Well, so, the thing is, I mean, you know, where if you're if you're honest, I mean, which ones, which roster are your superstars, and which ones are your stars? Well, that's right. I mean, you have like maybe spatterings of uh, superstars in Ring of Honor. Yeah, but um, but then again, these are these are also guys who are you're able to see quite a bit of when you're living in the United States. You can go to a Ring of Honor show in a in a you know small hall, whatever of the one of their house shows. You can't go to a uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling show very often in the United States, let alone in New York City at Madison Square Garden. So, you know, uh, that it was pretty apparent. I mean, then coming in then to the actual, that was the pre-show rumble. The first match on the main card was uh, Jeff Cobb versing, versus, he was the ROH TV champion, uh, and he was versing versus... I don't know why I say this versing thing. You've got to get out of that. But uh, Will Ospreay, who's the New Japan Pro Wrestling IWGP Never Openweight Championship, they're basically similar tiered belts. And Jeff Cobb took this one with an incredible, he does this coast, to, or it's not coast to coast, but it's called Tour of the Islands. It's the spinning um, power slam. And he did the yeah. spinning power slam off the top rope. I guess middle rope anyway, and that was brutal. And then he picked Osprey up again and did the, the standing uh, tour of the islands and uh, demolished them. But it was like a pretty, quite a fantastic match. You, the story basically was Will Osprey tried to do the toe to toe game with Jeff Cobb, who's a, I guess he's an Olympic wrestler, similar in that way of uh, 
Kurt Angle's uh, heritage and um, and yeah, I mean he's a really really strong, thick dude who tossed Will Osprey around like he was literally a rag doll. So very entertaining. Definitely wasn't the best match of the card, but it was a really good opener. I, I liked it quite a lot. Well, there you go. Next in line, what did you have? Yeah, well, um, with that, actually, I'll mention that Jeff Cobb then wins the IWGP Never Openweight belt to go with his ROH TV belt. So now he'll be seeing a lot more New Japan TV. But anyway, the next match was a really interesting one uh, with Roosh from the original Los Ingobernables uh, in, uh, I guess he was in CMLL, and now he signed a, a full deal with Ring of Honor. He's a pretty major Mexican star, and they're really trying to push him like crazy uh, in Ring of Honor. He's a really talented wrestler as well. He's he is super he's super intense, and he was going up against Dalton Castle. This was just a special singles match, and Dalton Castle being the extremely flamboyant uh, ex champion, he comes down with he had a really you know grand entrance that took forever. Got down to the ring. He's got his boys, you know, doing their kind of uh, Las Vegas, you know, big show kind of looking thing with the, uh, what are they, um, peacock feathers and stuff like that. Get down to the ring finally. And then one of the boys had left one of the feathers in the ring. Uh, Dalton Castle goes to pick it up and give it to him. And as he's doing that, the bell rings. That Roosh guy just flies out, grabs Castle in the corner. Uh, this this gigantic stalled like um, stalling drop kick to him and a cannonball or something along those lines yanks him out pins him for three fifteen seconds and mm. the match is over. Rush just takes off back to the to the uh, you know didn't he celebrated for a second and just got the hell out of there and then uh, Dalton Castle I guess he's doing they're doing a, a character change for the guy and he had a little bit of a breakdown and beat the crap out of the boys that he had there in the ring and took off. I guess this was actually the funny enough, the better ring of honor match of the whole night. That was 15 seconds long because it really did a good job. It didn't take time from the show. You know, it didn't take time from many of these other matches really. Uh, and it, it progressed a, a story and was, and was shocking and interesting at the same time. So, you know, with your opener being that 30 man honor rumble, you know, I guess that thing went like 42 minutes and change. So if yeah. your opener goes 42 and change, then your, you know, your first singles match goes like almost 13 minutes. You know, you're going to have to, you're going to have to like just bring it down for a second. Right. So I guess somebody's yeah. got to, pay, somebody's got to pay dividends. And uh, I guess it was Rush. Was it Roosh or Rush? How do you say his name? I guess they're, they're, they're pronouncing it Roosh. Uh, I guess it's more of the um, uh, Mexican Spanish way and um so they're going with that and uh, well, um, so anyway that was yeah. their that was their fate you know that was the they they had them penciled in to do to do the uh the, the time saver at this point and just get people out of that uh longer match funk true so it is what but it yeah. is right I mean, they had it they had yeah. a story so that's true and now now Roosh is uh, undefeated in ring of honor so far and he's seeming to be like you know beating the uh, former champion that was just the former champion and uh, in 15 seconds so he's looking you know like a terrifying uh, opponent climbing up the ladder gaining those wins where um 
they seem to want them to matter at the moment uh, in terms of this storyline. But uh, then we went on to a rather disappointing uh, match, which uh, I guess solidified my idea that Ring of Honor is having a really struggling women's division, oddly enough, where Kelly Klein, she ends up defeating uh, Mayu Iwatani. Um, this Iwatani is a really good, quite a good uh, wrestler. And Kelly Klein is, is quite good as well. But they, I don't think that they they gel together. I think the, the booking was strange. They've had a few matches together already. And um, this, I don't know, it, it seems sloppy. They were, you know, missing some things. And I think the crowd also died a little bit there too. But this was for the Women of Honor World Champion and uh, Championship and yeah, I don't know. I mean, the the big thing that happened was at the end of the match, you had uh, Jessica Love and... Um, Jessica uh, Love? Not Jessica Love. Hey, yeah, there you go. That would be hilarious. Or really amazing, I guess, if she would come out there. But it was um, not Jessica Love. Angelina Love. There you uh, go. If, um, yeah, so there you go. She's a Toronto-trained uh, individual. And she was with uh, a love last name anyways and um she was with if i can find the name beautiful people right they brought back the beautiful people they did but they they are doing it now calling it the allure so okay yeah yeah because then then they had um what's her name the brunette she's really good looking too uh oof trying to find the name geez i follow her on instagram i should know there you go but um Anyway, Mandy, they, so they, Mandy, 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 wait, what is it? Mandy something. Anyway, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it actually could be Mandy Rhodes in in way. So No, 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 but, I'll, uh, I'll look it up right now. Hold on a second. Well, as yeah, we're yeah. blabbering away. I'll sure, yeah. But they came out, they did the old double cross, and, um, you know, as if they were kind of trying to recruit um, Kelly Klein to their, to their little stable that they were going at and um mandy leon mandy leon okay there you go yeah. so yeah and then you know they did the old lipstick it was kind of like a you know mean girls it was the beautiful people yeah that uh, yeah. that they were doing there and they're just bringing it in this allure thing and uh, doing this anarchy symbol as their as their deal which was okay i guess you know it was Again, this Ring of Honor thing that trying to be maybe a little bit too sports entertainment on this kind of show, and the people who were there to see New Japan Pro Wrestling, I don't think they they cared about it at all. Yeah, I think people were pretty quiet and going for popcorn at this moment. But um, well, they had to up, have the popcorn, yeah. Match, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. It's it's really too bad, you know, because both you and I have talked about it like many times about how women's wrestling is becoming really competitive and then we saw it the next night on on um wrestlemania with that main event but um you know this was just a weirdly bad showing uh from the women here but even worse i will tell you what happened next where is uh the this rapper um he's like a nerd nerd core guy and uh, mega ran and he had done the, I guess, the theme song for the for the event, and which is cool, whatever, to catchy tune. And he came out to perform it live, which nobody wants, to be honest with you. 
<laughs> yeah. Not even in the idea, you know, nobody wanted that. And then he came out, you could tell nobody wanted it. They were like, just please give us wrestling, could you, you know? And he came out, tried to start performing his song. People were just, they were literally, you know, ready to throw the, throw the tomatoes. And then Bully Ray comes out because he had this open challenge to a New York street fight. Bully Ray comes out and he plays the uh, face role. Because he, of course, everybody's you know booing this guy, and I don't know where did they think that it was going to go down that people were going to like actually care, or they were going to feel bad that Bully Ray would beat the crap out of this rapper dude, and of course they just wanted it, and Bully Ray is the a big heel in in the Ring of Honor, and he all of a sudden was a big face because they were loving that he was whipping the guy with the chain and kicking him out of the ring and you know, doing all this kind of stuff. So it was really, really strange. And then he had his little open challenge there and Flip Gordon comes back from an injury, which was a surprise. And so I think people popped for that. He looked really, really good. That He's hit the gym hard and gained a lot of muscle mass. Um, who, knew, who knows if there's any pills involved with that one. But anyway, he comes out, um, challenges for the street fight, and then uh, Bully Ray gets his uh, two other dudes, Shane Taylor and Silas Young, to come in and jump him. And then they do this absolutely brutal Singapore cane kendo stick attack on him where he, you know, Flip just does the tough guy deal, like hit me as hard as you can to each dude. And he ended up having some pretty insane welts on his back immediately after those hits. And um, then... Earlier in the night, we had some. This was this was also icing on the cake of how bad this segment was, in my opinion. But they had, uh, you know, from backstage, Juice Robinson had been attacked because he had originally challenged uh, Bully Ray for this fight. He had been attacked, and the doctors were not going to allow Juice to wrestle that night. But then out walks Juice Robinson and his buddy Mark Haskins. Uh, it's this team of lifeblood. And uh, so Juice, who had been told he's not allowed to wrestle all of a sudden, not selling any injury whatsoever of what happened backstage, comes out and just makes the match a three-on-three, I guess, hardcore match, street fight, whatever. And it was like a very much like okay uh, street fight. There was no color, which I, I mean, <laughs> I must be like a bloodthirsty bastard, but like, I can't stand when these, on these kind of shows, uh, and ring of honor is no, is not shy about, about their blood. You know, when they have these ladder wars, they're just, you know, soaking, but I don't know. I thought first of all, that they would then, if they're not going to, you know, show some juice in this match, other than juice Robinson, that they were going to do it in the ladder match, but they didn't either. But anyway, the long and the short of it is that Lifeblood and Flip, Flip Gordon, so Juice Robinson, Mark Haskins, and Flip Gordon defeated Bully Ray and Shane Taylor and Silas Young, and it was uh, way too much time. The actual match was 15 minutes long, but the whole like crap that happened before the match actually began was probably another 15 minutes. So this took literally a half an hour out of the show, and nobody liked it. It was no good. Juice Robinson is the current IWGP U.S. heavyweight champion. It's a new belt. Didn't defend it on this show. You didn't even see the belt on this show. 
So it you was forget, really you forgot really, it in Japan. There you Which go. Well, <laughs> you know, I, that's the thing, right? But it's it's just like this was a really weird, odd booking, you know. Well, and the, um, thing is, the thing I have to interject here for a second because yeah. I just listened to Bully Ray on Jericho's talk, his Jericho podcast, talking about uh, his departure from WWE, and then also the uh, the rights over the Dudley Boys' name and how Vince owns the rights and blah blah blah. And then yeah. the fact that he, as Bully Ray, uh, still uh, feels that he has a lot to contribute, and, and especially in the storytelling aspect uh, to Ring of Honor, you know, as because he's already done the TNA thing, he's done the Impact thing, he's done WWE. So you know, to move on to do the next thing would be, I guess, Ring of Honor, and to bring his contribution, which would be storytelling. Uh, and and the thing is, it's funny that you say this, that because I, like I haven't seen this event now. The G1 yeah. Super, I still, I've yet to check it out. I will check it out. But the the fact that if this match, Flip, uh, Flip Gordon and, and companions and camaraderie and whatnot uh, defeated uh, Bully Ray, blah, blah, was not a good match, then obviously whatever the story that Bully Ray is trying to, you know, breathe life into with ROH is not working. No. Unfortunately, it's not, you know. Yeah, and it... <laughs> It's, it's weird, eh? This, this to me, you know, like, I th it, it reminds me a lot of uh, what would have happened on an actual old-school ECW show. And that's, you know, that might be the reason. But this show, like, it, for some reason, it would have worked in ECW. But that is where a whole different ball game, you know, it would have been, it would have been a whole different situation. And it actually probably would have gone over really, really well with the beating up of the mega ran at the beginning. And, you know, this whole rapper coming out and cause the crowd would have turned on the guy really fast. But the fact there was no color, the fact that, you know, and maybe that's just me, but uh, the fact that there was uh, this super long introduction to the match that, that didn't make much sense in terms of the show and, um, you know, Flip Gordon pulled his weight. He did a really good job. Well, the, you know, the guys actually wrestled pretty good, but it it was actually I was weirdly impressed by uh, Silas Young. I don't know, I don't know why I haven't seen this from him before, but he did some really great things, and uh, I got to go back and watch more of his matches. But um, anyway, but other than that, it was it shouldn't have been on this show. That's all I got to say because the next match, this. Uh, three-way match for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship. Uh, Taiji Ishimori going in as champion against Dragon Lee and Bandito. Now, Dragon Lee is from CMLL, and Bandito being from uh, Ring of Honor now signed. And um, Dragon Lee is, I guess, infamous now for putting um, uh, Hiromo Takahashi on the sidelines, breaking his neck by accident. Um and now Dragon Lee picks up the victory and is the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship uh, champion. And I, it seems, I think everybody's talking about it, that it looks like um, Hiromo Takahashi's coming back in the next, maybe at the end of summer, that he'll be ring ready. And then they're going to try to keep Dragon Lee holding onto the belt because he's phenomenal. And, um, and they'll have that rematch. And I'm sure it'll be a, a really big deal and very emotional and all that. But this match was insane. It was, in a lot of ways, a spot fest. But they did also some really great storytelling. And um, 
they allowed each guy to shine in their own ways. But this was a just shy of nine minutes of a match. Coming off of that, like half hour of just you know wasting time. So you know, you think if you would have just given these guys ten more minutes, five more minutes, it would have yeah. been just even. They would have been able to really like uh, give you an amazing storytelling experience but uh, then again this is a this is a match to see from this show for sure again it's a new japan pro wrestling match so yeah you got a bandito way, who's yeah sorry yeah by the way you do know that dragon lee is the brother of rush right roosh rush that's right yeah i they mentioned that during the broadcast as well i had forgotten about it but it i'm i was reminded so you know they're they are that's funny you know when you got the uh the lucha brothers with pentagon and and phoenix being brothers and then this uh russian russian dragon lee being brothers and it's like you know weirdly almost all these mexican wrestlers are related in some ways but you know yeah. they're all damn damn good and um this match was phenomenal there i guess the big spot out of it was because uh, bandito's relatively uh, new on the scene anyway um he was all three of the guys were on the top turnbuckle and he uh picked up uh, both dragon lee and ben, uh, and taiji ishimori and did a i guess a moonsault fall away slam with the two bodies holding on to them so all three of them just went and it was as perfect i guess as you could get it you know as as that would be but it people just lost their minds on so many of the really it, like it was smooth maybe it wasn't um that like uh you know brutal fight or whatever but it was a lot of moves but they were done really really well and they kind of shocked you came out of nowhere and, and you didn't see a lot of things coming so as a nine minute match i i don't think there's a much better match that lasted nine minutes in a long time so definitely one to see but uh, dragon lee ends up picking it up and deservably so and i think the story there is is really good so i'm happy i was happy there i think that picked the crowd right back up and uh, they worked their asses off to do it so well, there you go then moving on i guess we had the uh winner take all four-way match iwgp right. and rlh uh, world tag team championships gorillas of destiny tamatanga tangaloa uh, they are the iwgp champs defeating Villain Enterprises being PCO and Brody King out of ROH. Los Ignorables de Japón being Evil and Sonata. And the Briscoe brothers being Jay Briscoe, Mark Briscoe out of ROH. How was that match? Yeah, this was uh, like better than I think anybody expected it. And probably any right it had to be in a lot of ways. Um, but then it got completely ruined by a Ring of Honor stunt is, is what's going on here which I guess we'll we'll talk about. I want to hear your thoughts about it, but um, I'll just go real quick through this one. Uh, I, I really liked it. I, I like Tamatonga and Tongaloa quite a lot, and uh, after the match, they had some really colorful things to say about Ring of Honor, that, uh, you know, tossing the belts away and nobody gives a crap about Ring of Honor, and, you know, that was easy, and uh, this, this, and that, and the other, and they're really, really being colorful in their commentation about what just happened, but... Um, yeah, I mean, the the only thing there is um, you didn't really see much of Evil and Sonata, the Los Ingernables guys. They're, they, uh, they're quite amazing wrestlers, so and I'm sure that the crowd wanted to see more of them, but they kind of 
fell into the obscurity in the match. I mean, there's so many dudes. And then the, the Briscoe brothers, you know, they did their thing. Um, but uh, the big star of the match was PCO, oddly enough. The guy's a lunatic. Not only was his uh, entrance, well, it was ridiculous, and I, I didn't particularly care for it, but I got it. He was sitting on an electric chair, and his, um, I think his Destro is his like manager or whatever. He just like shocks him with a car battery, and up he gets, and you know, as if he was dead, and they, you know, jacked him to life, and it was a little hokey. Um, but whatever. Some people actually really loved it. I, I thought it could have been left out. But anyway, comes down to the ring. He was a lunatic. He pulled uh, some moonsaults off. He pulled some, like, diving cannonball flips from the inside to the out. And then the most disgusting spot, I think, of the whole night, he was double powerbombed by Tamatonga and Tongaloa from the inside of the ring to the floor over the top rope landing flush on his like top shoulders to the floor. People were pretty much sure he was dead. And then he did the undertaker little sit up. I'm alive kind of thing, but then he fell back down and whatever. But that was just like, he was the star of the match. Like, I don't know the guys, the guy's totally a lunatic. So, Hey, there you go. I think you wrestled him. Didn't you a little while ago? Yeah. Back in 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, was he, the, well, the thing is that, you know, how old is he now? Because, I mean, he was already up there. Um, he was in his 40s when I wrestled him. So he's got to be close to 50 or more. He's 51. Yeah, 51 yeah, years 51. old Yeah, 51. So, yeah. And the, guy, the guy's a beast. I mean, he's totally ridiculous. But, uh, I mean, he's a pro wrestler, and he, he pulls it off. People loved him, too. And, I mean, he is mm-hmm. hurting himself. I mean, I don't know much other ways to say it, but the guy mm-hmm. is really uh, – he is – He's wanting to give you your money's worth anyway. But um, the main, unfortunately, that should have been like the main, the big deal. Tongalo and Tamatonga took uh, Brody King and did a, um, I guess, a second rope massive powerbomb mm. and, uh, and got the win there. And now they are holding both both sets of titles. However, then um, Yano, Toro Yano came out and stole the stole the IWGP heavyweight belts but as that was going on you saw some weird hair flopping around outside the ring and they just cut away from it and everybody looked really confused and it was really odd odd moment the commentators were looking confused and not really uh you know you saw a bunch of crap happening in the background and they were trying to take your attention somewhere else whereas meanwhile you had enzo amore and uh big cast jump the guardrail and start having what seemed to be a shoot fight with uh, the Briscoe brothers throwing some pretty big bombs and landing some from the crowd footage that I had seen of it looked pretty legit, but uh, bully Ray came out and uh, also, you know, took the guys apart. The Briscoe brothers looked like they were exhausted as well from the match and um, just got teamed up against. And um, the security wasn't there for some reason. And, mm. um, which I guess makes it sound then now this is just a planned stunt, which was, you know, this work shoot idea. They eventually got tossed out, which overlapped on top of Hiroshi or uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi's entrance, which I think was a little bit disrespectful, but whatever. And, uh, that's that like, oddly, that was the big news coming out of this show that Enzo Amore and big cast, you know, invaded and, uh, 
And of course, nobody cares and nobody nobody wanted them there in the first place. So, you know, it's a thing that that matches. Yeah, that matches quite good. But uh, I mean, I don't know what your thoughts about Big Cass and Enzo are, but uh, I'm I'm not so interested in uh, (laughs) seeing them in Ring of Honor. So, you know. Well, the thing is, I mean, they're going to be seen as WWE guys. You know, no matter what they do, that's where they made their name. So they're they're basically going to be guys. They want to people are going to want to see them get beat. You know that's that's really yeah. where they're going to be typecast. Uh, that said, I mean, so I guess that it's more so them now going to ROH and not going to New Japan because it's from the sound of it. I mean, they're they're attacking the ROH guys. Yeah. Um, but you know, all all of that considered, it is new blood for that organization. True. They do have a certain rub that they're bringing in, so yeah, we'll just see where it goes. I mean, obviously, yeah. if the if the crowd's not buying it anyway, it doesn't matter what you do; you can just cut your head off, and nobody's going to care. But yeah. you know, it's so it's not inherently their fault. You know what I mean? The, the crowd's True. not there for them anyway. But you know, you know, I mean, this was just like badly placed. You know, again, yeah. it was this. Uh, you know. Uh, this this kind of thing maybe it would happen during a, a new japan show uh, but it would be super shocking and and all that which i guess it was but um they mm. i don't think that these guys could hold their own at the moment in terms of their wrestling ability they're at least uh, enzo is is all is amazing i guess on the mic yeah. but um you know i don't know and they haven't been taking really almost any independent dates since they got let go from wwe so I'm sure that they're also a little bit rusty. But anyway, nonetheless, uh, that gave Zack Sabre Jr. and Hiroshi Tanahashi a lot to uh, recover from because uh, the crowd was, during the maybe the first, almost the first 10 minutes of their match, I'd say, which only lasted 15 minutes. Um, and by the way, that uh, big tag match lasted under 10 minutes as well, so that ridiculous um, street fight match you know was longer than those two matches put together but anyway uh-huh. that being said we had the uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Hiroshi Tanahashi and during the first 10 minutes people were just you know tweeting and texting out their their videos and of Enzo and Cass coming in here so people were not paying attention and uh, eventually they they did win them because those guys worked super hard and it was uh it was a really, really good match, and those guys can't have anything but a bad match. So that's another one to watch. Again, another New Japan match. However, this was for the British Heavyweight Championship, the Rev Pro belt. Um, and uh, you got to see some proper proper wrestling, and Zack Sabre Jr. ends up tying up Hiroshi Tanahashi in this lock, almost reminiscent of the Rings of Saturn that Perry Saturn used to do, and then also... You know, hooking onto his legs. There was no nowhere Tanahashi could go but tap out. So it was good. Yeah, it solidified Zack Saber Jr. But it really it's surprising to see Zack Saber Jr. go over a guy the stature of Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it's kind of like is is Tanahashi now in the role of John Cena? Is is he in the role of the established veteran that's there to put over the younger talent of tomorrow? Yeah, well, I would say that he's probably. It seems like he's happy to do it too. So, I mean, well, the thing I think is, I mean, if, if yeah. you can smell that your time's coming up, you know what? I, if if you know that you got an, you have an out plan, you know, like so, you're 
you're, you've already gotten a blueprint as far as how long you're going to be there still. And you're, you know, let's say you got three years or whatever. And, uh, yeah. you know, you're going out and you know, you know that you've got to give back and get somebody else over to leave the place better on your way out. So maybe this is part of that. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But, you know, that said, I hear that the uh, match of the night was up next. Kota Ibushi defeating Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP IC strap. What do you say about that one? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it would be hard-pressed to say it's not the match of the night. I mean, I think it was even before anybody saw the match, it was going to be match of the night in a lot of ways. Those guys have really great chemistry. The The... The story that they played off each other was so good, and the way going into this is that they they both are they both love to fight each other because they push each other to the limits, and um, it just makes they both admit that they make each other better uh, wrestlers. And um, this was like pretty apparent in the, in this match, and there was, um, you know, you could kind of see this this kind of story that Naito was kept trying to push Kota Ibushi further and further and further until um, right around the, I, I guess, the last seconds of the match, he he spits in Kota Ibushi's face, and the, the facial uh, expression turn on Ibushi's face was, like, so dramatic and really, really well done. And um, then I think Naito went for some destinos which is his uh kind of like hopping over uh what would it be like a reverse ddt thing and um ibushi kicks out of them and then gives him the um uh the kinshasa that um, two of them from the guy guess like saluting um shinsuke nakamura and then uh hits him with the his kamagoye which is this grabbing the both uh, hands while well, the guy's on his knees and driving the knee into the face. And he took that one and it was very decisive. It almost like Tetsuya Naito woke Kota Ibushi up. Uh, that kind of like, uh, what would you say? Like the, the fire in Kota Ibushi got lit from the spit right. in his face. And it, I mean, there was a spot on the ring apron. They were teasing all bunch of stuff that people were like freaking out about. And then all of a sudden, Ibushi jumps in the air like a Michael Jordan style jump and he catches Naito with a head scissor like Hurricane Rana off the ring apron. But it looked just, I don't think anybody could have pulled it off like that. Beautiful stuff and really, really good match. And I mean, I, I also really liked the Kazuchika Okada versus Jay White uh, as well. It was a different match. It had a different purpose and, and that different story altogether. But this was uh, definitely, if you want to see New Japan Pro Wrestling, um, like a real deal, like Japanese guy versus a Japanese guy for a championship strap on a big major show. You know, this this did deliver. Uh, I mean, it wasn't their best match together, but it was an insanely good match. You know, just over 20 minutes long. Didn't have to be any longer. Didn't need to be shorter. That was it. So... But uh, then to what was maybe, I mean, we're going to, we would drop down, although it would be weird, you know, you're going into a three-way ladder match for the Ring mm -hmm. of Honor World 
championship with Matt Taven, Jay Lethal, and Marty Skrull. Uh, Marty Skrull being basically the the big favorite. Everybody loves that guy. And um, yeah, I mean, a three-way ladder match. Ring of Honor is really famous for some really amazing ladder matches. So I was looking forward to it. Um, then Madison Square Garden, I guess, is famous for having, I believe it had Shawn Michaels versus Razor Ramon. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so that's like the the ladder match that, uh, you know, everybody refers to. So here they are doing their thing. And it was a good, good match. I mean, a good ladder match wasn't amazing, unfortunately, but it was good. There was some pretty nasty spots there. Matt Taven ends up uh, defeating and picking up the uh, the belt, um, which I guess they're not going to give it to Marty Skrull because they're afraid he's going to take off to AEW or something in the next mm-hmm. few months, and I guess they need to take it off of Jay Lethal. Mm-hmm. So who's the guy? And uh, they've been building Matt Taven, and he's a really good good wrestler, and he's a really good heel, but I guess he's just also not not there yet. But, um, you know, there was a powerbomb, like a running powerbomb through a onto a ladder that was propped on on some chairs on the entrance ramp which was really nasty and a uh an elbow drop from the top of the ladder from jay lethal to matt taven through a table which was you know got a lot of pops and marty squirrel did this great uh he does this finger break thing um you know and matt taven goes up to reach for the belt and there's marty squirrel and he grabs his one hand and breaks the finger and then he goes you know he can't grab the belt with that hand anymore so he goes to grab it with the other hand and squirrel grabs that hand and breaks the finger and then now he he's trying to grab the belt but he you know his hands don't work and falls off the ladder but then again you know immediately following that he you know his fingers were fine so but um i i think i was hearing some podcasts um commenting on that like nobody really sells that finger break thing you know, where it would be great if at least, you know, for the next day you had your fingers taped or something like that. But, uh, but anyway, um, there was some, the good stuff and they did this weird ladder tree thing that they made. And at the end there was, uh, Jay lethal at the top with, uh, Matt Taven and Matt Taven grabs the belt swing there and, and whacks it in the face of Jay lethal who falls back, back first mm-hmm. onto a ladder that's propped up. It was pretty, nasty but you know again i mean ladder matches i think have gone gone up so high you know and um people remember like the hardys and uh, and like even the briscoes having these ladder wars and kind of things like that in in uh, ring of honor and you know the actually the hardys and the young bucks had a, a ladder match for the tag team champions uh, straps a little while ago in Ring of Honor before the Hardys, I guess just before the Hardys jumped back to WWE and like that was an incredible match as well, so this was for a ladder match, it was okay for, you know, but I guess it, it was pretty okay that's all I'll mm-hmm. say, I guess Alrighty, moving on then to the main event Yeah, so we had Okada versus Jay White um, Jay White going in as champion He's had he's got Gato on his corner he's jay white's the leader of the bullet club and um hated beyond belief because people just absolutely adore okada in uh, in new york city that night and um they they did this classic new japan style main event slow burner 
that uh, they knew they were following, first of all, Kota Ibushi and Tetsuya Naito, and then a ladder match, so this gimmick. So they had to like uh, bring the crowd down and then build them right back up. And to Jay White's credit, uh, he was able to hang in there and and fulfill his duties. And he they both pulled it off and did a really great job and um, some really good exchanges. And maybe... Um, People might find this match boring for the first almost twenty minutes, I guess. Uh, if you're, you know, if you're not into this kind of slow burn, and then they picked up the pace, and by the last five minutes of it, they were just exchanging, reversing back and forth. It was getting so intense. Jay White then kicks out of like a full fledged rainmaker. People lost their mind because they figure, okay, well, if he is kicked out of this rainmaker now, then he's going to hit his um, blade runner. And uh, and he's probably going to take it, and he does hit the Blade Runner, and Okada does kick out of it. As Jay White takes too long to make the pin because he's just exhausted. Good drama happening here, and then Okada with the decisive victory. And um, you know, this is what people wanted out of the main event in that way. That especially that Okada would take it, and uh, so. I mean, in that way, they were left on a high. And uh, a few people I talked to who were at the show, um, they th- said it was so much fun. So, you know, maybe these gripes that I have being the uh, the uh, armchair uh, referee or whatever, you know, uh, maybe they, if you're at, because uh, everybody knows going to see professional wrestling live is a thing unto itself. So, but there you have it. That's the... Uh, G1 Supercard from uh, Ring of Honor and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Stay tuned for part two of Shooting the Shizat's WrestleMania coverage, where we dive into the big show of WrestleMania by WWE. We'll give our thoughts and a review on that gigantic event.